Are we recording now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. My nipples are going to be completely hard this entire time. <laughs> you said erect the first time. You did. did I say erect? You did. Cut. Take it back. Okay. Do it again. My nipples are going to be fully erect. (laughs) (laughs) She added fully that time. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to, that's the tell of a true storyteller. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And I'm Christina. Hey. Hey. And this is Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Stories. Welcome to episode 48 Yes, and also coming for that number one spot. spot. Yeah. Part two. Always in that number one Part spot. Part two. Part two. She's See, like, I'm not coming for it. I'm already I'm there. I like the confidence. Because when you're a down ass bitch like me, you follow someone from the beginning. You don't catch up after you the fact. You don't catch with a up gun. after you're like, oh, you know what? I think my sister might be cool after 11 years. It's like, <laughs> oh no, bitch! I knew you were cool this whole time. Like, <laughs> guys, she wasn't down here listening to us record the last episode. That's no, just something I was that... sitting upstairs, topless, because <laughs> how dare I think I can wear a white shirt and drink a small coffee from Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> when you know that the small coffee lid does not fit the way the other coffee lids? Fit. I just think they always over fill the coffee to where it's always right at the brim where it's going to spill a little bit. Right. Always. Always. Always, always, always. And I saw you even do the thing where like you put the napkin on top first to try and suck up that extra little. I saw you do it in the Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) and it still happened. It was for nothing. It was futile. fucking happened. And you know what? I'm still drinking the coffee. So, I mean, I guess I got what I wanted out of it. But now I also have... You got the coffee out. A, I'm blown away. Sh- I know. Water and soap, man. But now she has a wet shirt and fully erect and nipples. fully erect nipples. So, congratulations, podcast land. <laughs> you got me at my best. <laughs> you guys thought it was just because she was so excited to be on the show. Oh. We were hoping, but it's just because she's cold. I mean, that's why my She's in a wet, wet shirt. <laughs> 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 I can't. I can't. What I'm a workout. <laughs> and so, this is how we're starting. Da, 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 we well, I don't have a fetish five. So, so I'm she's just like, like that's, I am yeah, the fetish right five. The oh you my know, God, that's so sexy. <laughs> I am. After Gail Marie's last fetish five, I think I need a break from the fetish five. <laughs> that was I think was I need difficult. a break. I mean, I was able to hear snippets because immediately I was like, fuck, if I do anything in this room, like if I breathe heavy, you guys are going to hear it because I was like, able to hear you so I was like you know what I'm just I'm just gonna play on my phone so I heard little bits but I of course didn't get the full experience what's nice is like I can hear them upstairs talking right now but they don't the headphones, come but it through. usually doesn't oh, come through once good. everything is mastered and oh, then yeah. I edit the content so it'll be fine well, yeah I, I came down the stairs and I was like damn those stairs are loud and then I heard you guys talking and I was like well, I guess I'm not going on stairs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> stairs are out. I'm going to sit right here. Sit right here. So, Christina is a friend of mine from back home. We went to college together. We've stayed very close since then. She's been listening to the podcast since it started. They won. Just so you know. Um, but do you want to plug your your Insta, your yeah. popular bujos? Oh, my if you God. Wanna well, tell uh, people a little bit about yourself. But she came yeah. here for my show, mm-hmm. which was last night. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Mm, it was last 
last night, but when you guys hear this, it, oh, was, right. it was like a, a week ago. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that my favorite choice, and it was a choice, was that you were barefoot. It was a choice. I loved that with that gorgeous gown by Bobby Fabulous. Thank you. That amazing gown by Bobby Fabulous. It was wonderful. And then you were fucking barefoot, and I was like, Yes, queen, yes, yes, live my life, yes. I don't know so. if the podcast listeners know that there's a whole thing with me and Sarah about my footwear. <laughs> Sarah always has commentary about my footwear. Oh, I didn't always. know that. I don't oh, know this if we've is ever like, brought no it up on the show. This is like a foundation of our friendship. Because like, <laughs> she hates, hates, hates my rainbow flip-flops. Oh my okay, God, no, I, love I hate the fact that she wears them with everything. Mm-hmm. They right? go with everything. No, Thank they you. don't. Thank no, you. they don't. Thank you. They're dressy Thank enough, you. they're casual Thank enough, you. they're rainbow flip-flops. Disagree, disagree Thank 100%. You. That's fine. Those flip-flops would not have gone with that dress last night. They, were they the, would the have. No, they wouldn't the have. They're brown. Existence. They're brown. They're flip-flops. No. No. Here's my thing. She hates my rainbow flip-flops. Fucking can't. She puts all this effort into her whole look: hair, makeup, face, outfit, jewelry, on fleek, on fleek. What the fuck is on your feet? My nothing. nothing. My argument is that like I got a fancy patty, mm-hmm. my feet look good. Mm-hmm. I'm talking mm-hmm. about all don't not just last night. That, no, I know not just last night. I'm saying in general. Like I'm like my feet are cute, mm-hmm. and then on top That's of cute. that, I think that being comfortable is also cute. And so to me, I'm like, I wear the flip-flops because they're comfortable mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry about how I feel. I can just be comfortable. And that is also cute. That's my argument. But Sarah... I don't buy it for one Sarah's second. completely against that. No, I don't I'm buy it at all. I'm completely biased because I love my rainbows to the point Thank where you. the very first tattoo I got, I actually placed it so that the rainbow strap would Wouldn't be like cover in the a tattoo. specific place on the tattoo because that's what I wore all the I time. I wore mine to get so, my first tattoo yeah. is also on the top of my foot and <laughs> right. I wore my rainbow flip-flops. And they had to make sure that they put them in the right spot. Right? Why? Why do we get tattoos on the top of our foot? Because we don't give a fuck what you say. Yeah. We're just gonna do it what we want to oh do. My God, so funny. But yeah. I. But the, the sidetracked. I'm not sorry, talking about this, the when you wear your flip flops. I'm us. talking about the fact that. Right. <laughs> she you. was talking about what shoes she was gonna wear for her show. <laughs> I knew I wasn't gonna wear the flip flops. I might have said I was to you to you bother <laughs> you, but I was never gonna wear the flip flops. She's like, I got this beautiful dress. Here's my picture of the mm-hmm. dress, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, what shoes? you're going to wear she's like well because <laughs> this is a, this has always been a, a, a big part of our friendship is Sarah like she will cut she used to you come downstairs do your whole outfit the whole thing full face you put and a whole outfit together you accessorize you look beautiful mm-hmm. put some fucking shoes on <laughs> she hates them she hates them so much so then I think we were we were on the porch before an episode talking about your outfit and I think it came where I was like you could go barefoot like that would work like barefoot would work I liked it. barefoot over flip flops yes that works I will take it otherwise you should have worn your cute black booties done end of discussion that's the thing. I tried the boot with the sh- and it, the boots. It would have looked like weird, it. honestly. I probably would have put you in like a really cute black sandal with See, like we maybe a wedge. I would have loved to have had like Docs, like Doc Martens. That would have worked with that it too. But I no, I was like I was barefoot but and barefoot it was very works. me. And it was like it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a good. You show. were barefoot and you didn't have pants on. It was completely you. It was nice. Done. It was yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. 
So also, if anyone comes and meets me in the future for the podcast, make sure your shoes fucking match your outfit because I'm not here she for it. She will. Even if she I doesn't notice. say something, she'll First notice and thing. she'll judge you to me later where she'll be like, did you see that bitch with <laughs> But let's be fair. Like, we ju- that's half the fun of our friendships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember, uh, you know, about, a, I guess we are like two months ago now, we were at the convention. If any of you guys are still listening, high schoolers, thank you guys if you're still on board when we taught you. <laughs> but then we went and saw the their drag show and these girls come out in the worst shoes. Fucking You said somebody awful. came out in sneakers, right? Someone was in sneakers the entire time and she acted like it was part of her aesthetic. She's in a prom full length prom gown with Converse sneakers and is acting like she's all tough shit. Mm-mm. I'm not here for it. I don't like it. Take the goddamn sneakers off. No, you are you are a drag queen and unless you're, you're not wearing heels, you're not doing drag. You're not doing drag. And so I was not I read her for filth the whole time. I was like, she's okay, but she's in those fucking shoes. I don't think she can walk in heels. No respect. I don't I'm not into it. Put some cute shoes on. All right, anyways, Stephanie's show is awesome. That's my rant. That's the foundation of our friendship. We know where we stand with each other. It's it's healthy. <laughs> Christina, tell the people a little bit about yourselves and where they can find you. Okay, so, yeah, I'm uh, one of Stephanie's friends from back home in North Carolina. And right now, I'm actually spending a lot of time doing, like, social media research because I'm a big nerd in that area and um, growing like my Instagram which I mean I'm not trying to get like super high numbers I'm just trying to stay consistent it's just cute yeah yeah so I do bullet journaling and I do like calligraphy and illustrations and it's you know it's adorable I try to do some fan art for you guys every now and then yeah. sure stuff is cute. That, uh, so cute <laughs> so um so yeah so it, you can follow me at kstina5 and uh, if you like what you see just hit that like and that's k-s-t-i-n-a five on instagram that's true yeah check her out out. it's gonna be dope um so yeah before we get into the show we have another promo this week for you guys yeah we do we got a new promo so last week we introduced you guys to three spooked girls this week we're going to introduce you guys to jennifer over at haunted happenstance so take a listen to her promo and if you like what you hear go check her out obviously once you're done listening to this episode (laughs) uh so take it away jennifer Hey there, I'm Jennifer, and I host Haunted Happenstance, a creepy and quirky little audio drama set in a historic residence in Boston, Massachusetts. You see, I've always loved a good ghost story, and as it turns out, ghosts have always loved me too. Convenient? Maybe. Coincidence? Perhaps. But I think it's a bit more than that. Let's see if you agree. So sit back and get ready to join me and my neighbors for some truly spooky tales that can only be explained as haunted happenstance. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Spooky. (laughs) Why do you hate it when I do that? It's not that I hate when you do that. It's that when you did it, last episode was so ridiculous. And you know it was ridiculous. (laughs) I think it is. All I did was was there was an ooh on the front where I was like, ooh, spooky. You were like, ooh, spooky girls. And I was like, no. Cut. I don't like that. <laughs> She's like, you put a whole episode together and then you do you, a goddamn spooky, spooky girls spooky girl intro. It's like wearing flip flops to a dinner party. <sighs> Christina, Sarah, y'all, y'all ready, ready to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? ghosts? Christina is so excited right now that she got her to be nipples a part are of hard. That. And my They're nipples are completely. <laughs> 
No, that was fun. That was really fun. Well, do you um, want to start about, or do you want to start with hating on Gail Marie? Oh my God. Well, we're going to get into that. Okay, cool. So, first, I was going to do like just the true crime thing because I'm really into true crime, not so much like the spooky and supernatural. I dig it, but it's not something that I really like get into. Uh, um, wait, why is she on this show then? I'm just kidding. Oh, sure, right. No, but I was like, y'all want to talk about some ghosts? And I'm like, you know what? I better talk about some fucking ghosts. So, I was like, you know what? I grew up in North Carolina, and as we have all discussed, it is straight up syphilitic with ghosts. <laughs> syphilitic! <laughs> nice! Right? I like, like it. Yeah, okay. That's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> syphilitic with ghosts. Syphilitic with ghosts. I liked I mean, Riddled with Ghosts, but that's better. Thank you. Oh. Ouch. No, but the thing is, like, it makes sense, though, because there's, you know, settlers from way back. There's lots of pirates. There's a huge Native American population. We've got Waccamaw, and Lumbee Indian, like, where I grew up. And Cherokee a little further west. Exactly. And there's just straight up swampland superstition. Yep. So, like, I like that you and Gallery both brought up the same thing. Swamp. Riddled with ghosts. We've got slaughtered people, lots mm-hmm. of massacres, mm-hmm. lots of fighting, mm-hmm. swamps. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Welcome to North Carolina. Right. And so where <laughs> I grew up was roughly like 45 miles and about 10 years west of Wilmington. <laughs> so I grew up in a small area known as White Marsh. And um, in this small area, there are just dozens of ghost stories, and some of them I don't even, like, know of. Like, I was telling my friend Zach that I was coming on the podcast, and I had to tell at least a couple ghost stories. So the first story I was going to tell was going to be the Mako Light, because it's, like, the most well-known ghost story in that area of North Carolina. And I've been there. And Zach was like, yeah, I used to go there all the time when I was a teenager like, with we all look of our for friends. Head. We always go there. We look for the head. You do see it. Like, it's legit. You fucking see it. It's a light, and it's swinging, and I'm not shitting see, you at all. See, said it wasn't there She anymore. said it wasn't there. She said it ended in 1977. When they dug up the railroad. See? Uh-oh. You got new information, girl. I mean... Christina's face is like, bitch. No, you go there and you see it. That's why you do it. Like, it's still there. People try to explain it as like a reflection off of a specific thing. But no, like, there's nothing out That's there. That's Joe in his fucking life. Right? Like, there's nothing out there. And so Zach was like, yeah, but girl, are you going to tell them about Sarah Gorda? And I'm like, Sarah Gorda? Gorda? What the fuck are you talking about? Why does this about? sound so familiar? I don't, know. I don't know. I feel like... Okay. Well, Sarah Gorda is a tiny little stretch of swamp near where I grew up. And there's nothing there but, like, an elementary school, a bunch of houses, and a bunch of churches. And that is it. Like, not even it a is... grocery store? How oh, do God, they no. eat? No. Like, it's not that far from anything. Okay. You know? And you can eat a lot of shit that grows in the it's swamp. It's an hour from anything. <laughs> it's, it's an hour from Wilmington. So if you count Wilmington as being, like, anything. the only life around that area, yeah, you're damn right. But it's probably about 45 minutes from a grocery store. Like... It's That's still a long hike. It's pretty far out. Well, they have little cream. convenience stores and shit like that, too. Anyway, Sarah Gord is not important, but he was just like, <laughs> have you, you know, done any of the ghosts there? And I'm like, bitch, no. What are you talking about? And he just goes, my life changed in Sarah Gorda. Oh, God. <laughs> was it at one of the churches? <laughs> <laughs> No, so Zach Can I tell was you about in, Jesus? <laughs> Zach was in a car with four of his other friends. They, like, filled up a sedan. They had heard about this haunted piece of land in Saragorda where a farmer had murdered his wife, 
gone out to the fields, grabbed his children, murdered his children, threw them all in his farmhouse, burned it to the ground, and shot himself in the head. Jesus Christ. Cool. Cool. Why do they never start with shooting themselves in the fucking head? Because they gotta take everyone down with them. Because they know that they can't take the other people out after they shoot themselves in the head. I'm not a proponent of, of, like, It's gotta be last on the list. But, oh my god, like, do us all a favor and just flip the script. Like, Jesus. Maybe they're, like, making their list and they're like, all right, here's what I gotta do. I really wanna kill myself, but I need to kill my wife, I need to kill my kids, and I gotta burn, burn down, down this the farm. farm. <laughs> all right, what? I, I can't kill myself first. That's gonna, right. if I gotta so move this around, out the, all the other the ones. Barn burning. Do I do so the kids like, first? Do I do the wife first? <laughs> exactly. Is she got, She's gonna be in the house? Do I, oh, all right, but, you well, know, serial killers actually do, like, they're very organized. Have sometimes, sometimes they're sometimes. organized. Sometimes. I right. have those thoughts sometimes. I just had that <laughs> thought. Who's a serial killer? <laughs> I was like, if I was going to kill both of them right now, I can't kill myself first. That's very true. <laughs> that is very true. Um, so so anyway, he was like, okay, we're going to go find it. So they went down this piece of land, and they actually found like an old burned down farmhouse. And um, they parked the car, and two of Zach's friends are like, okay, let's get out. And Zach is like, fuck that shit. No, I'm staying right here. Zach's boyfriend was like, I'm staying right here. Their other friend was like, y'all go. I'm not leaving this car. So these two friends get out. And they're just hanging out. They're talking. Nothing's really happening. It's just a quiet night in the country. And a couple of them start noticing something off in the distance. And it's sort of one of those things that you kind of see. And you're just like, is that? Huh. It could have been like a firefly. Basically, it was a glowing light kind of in the middle distance, and it was blue, which was weird. But as soon as anybody really took notice of it, it disappeared. So they were just kind of like, hmm. But eventually they started kind of talking about it between each other, just sort of like, hey, do you do you see that? Oh, shit, it's gone. Okay. And when Zach was telling me about it, he used his hand, and he was like, it would appear and then disappear. And then when it appeared again, it was closer. And at first they just sort of questioned it, like, well, what the fuck is it then? But eventually it started getting so close that it was definitely the shape of a girl. It was that big? It was that big. And so they started kind of losing it a little bit, like... They really kind of started freaking out. So the two that were outside the car kind of like. How close were, were they at that? Like how close was the it was ball of close. light if they can see that it was like it a was girl shape? Girl. girl size. Hang on. Shaped. Hang on. It kept getting closer. And that's the thing. It would appear for like a second. And then they were like, where is this coming from? She came up. She was like, are you my Uber driver? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was the light on her phone because she was it's opening the eyes. That was it. That was it. So the two who were outside of the car are fully flipped, right? And so they're running to the car. They're trying to get the doors open. The doors are somehow locked because God knows how. But they finally get in the car, and it was too late. She was in the car? She was in the fucking car. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up. Where was she? Shut was she the in the passenger up. side? Was she riding bitch? It was a full car. She floated through them. He said it was like a feeling of tingling cold that went through his body. And they saw this glowing figure in the car next 
to them. In the back seat, Zach and his boyfriend? Just in the car is what he said. So they are booking it the fuck out of there. They are like, drive, drive, drive. And they head down this tiny dirt road. she's still with them. She is with them. (gasps) And then their headlights hit something black. And you know how when headlights hit something, it illuminates it and it kind of shows what it is. That was not this. This was a black figure. And before they could swerve, before they could break, before they could breathe, they went straight through it. And he snatched her out of that car. <gasps> she was just looking for an Uber ride. Shut the fuck up. What did they feel when he came through? They said it was, again, a rush of cold, and they knew that it was for her. Oh, I have, like, my hair is on end. I have chills. Like, right. I'm, I'm like, so oh, my God. They, Jesus Christ, Christina. Zach <laughs> said that all five of them saw and experienced the same thing. They were silent for moments and just shaken and crying. And eventually they had to pull over the car and just get themselves back together. And that was the most horrifying first-person account of a ghost story that I have ever fucking heard. Oh, my heard. God. I want to go there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you drive for Lyft, too. Let's take your car. She'll be like, bitch, get in. Are you Stephanie? Are you my driver? I can't. That is fucking scary. That was so scary. <laughs> so I was like, Gail Marie can have the makeup light. <laughs> Oh, Ooh, that was good. <laughs> Thank that you. Was fucking scary. That's, that's as Thank scary you, as Zach. a shrieking woman. Thank you, Zach. Thank does, you, Zach. Does yeah. Zach listen? Um, he's gonna listen to this one because he was like, "Definitely tell me." Because I asked <gasps> him if it would be okay if I told his story, and he was like, "Just don't use my name." And I was like, "I'm not gonna use anyone else's name. I'm not gonna tell him where you're from. Like, I'm just gonna get into Zach, that badass that. story because it was amazing." Oh my god, Holy Zach! Shit. If you have any other stories, email me. That right? shit's crazy. Girl. Oh my oh god, your bujo is so pretty. Thank you. I did a spread, so it's gonna be posted on my account. And she did, right? And yeah. she sent me a picture of it. She was like, she was like, I did a spread for the show, and she sent it, but it was like blurred, so yeah. they couldn't read what it was about. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so funny. I was like, all right, all right, all right. Ooh, all right how are you gonna notes. top that story? Well, with another story. <laughs> You bitch. Bring it on, girl. Right. No, it really does start with a, like a narrative. That's how I kind of oh, heard okay. it. Yeah. She's like, I'm gonna do a spoken word poem now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Snaps for Stina. <laughs> All right. It was a mild December night in Durham, North Carolina, when a man calls 911, pleading for help. He found his wife unconscious, but still breathing, at the bottom of a set of stairs. <laughs> I hate you. She knows this. Oh, yeah, she knows this. We talked you about this too. yesterday. You know this. Anyway, he found her unconscious, but still breathing, at the bottom of a set of stairs. And once he knew help was on his way, he returned to her side. He would later recall how they had such a normal night in. They even drank a couple of bottles of wine out by their pool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She left to go in because she had an early day at work, and he stayed outside to enjoy the warm night before Christmas. He had no idea that his worst nightmare was happening only feet away. When six minutes later, he was back on the phone with 911, he was hysterically screaming that she had stopped breathing. And by the time emergency services arrived, they found Michael Peterson being consoled by his son, Todd, as he 
was over the corpse of his wife, Kathleen, covered in a pool of blood. And that is the story of Kathleen Peterson's death, according to Michael Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) Those of you, if you haven't caught on yet or if you're not familiar, this is the case that the documentary The Staircase is about. Right. So Kathleen and Michael Peterson. He found his wife at the bottom of the stairs. I was like, this bitch is talking (laughs) about the staircase. Oh, bitch. Because me and Christina have talked about it a lot because it's a North Carolina crime. So we've talked about it a lot. And it happened in outside of Raleigh where where Christina lived. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there on it, so mm-hmm. there's, like, a lot to talk about. But, um, so Kathleen and Michael Peterson, they were both married before they had married each other, and both of them had children from their previous marriages. So Kathleen was an executive at a telecommunications company in Durham, and she had a daughter named Caitlin. And Michael was an ex-Marine who had served in Vietnam and was now a novelist of military fiction that was also set in the Vietnam War. So I guess you just write what you know. Right. (laughs) Um, He had two sons, Clayton and Todd, and then he had two adopted daughters, Margaret and Martha, um, who were orphaned and were friends of his family from Germany. So most people do know about it from The Staircase. And The Staircase is pretty controversial. A lot of people think that it is super biased towards... Too soft on Michael Peterson. Yeah, Michael Peterson. Because it follows his team. It follows them behind the scenes. It follows his family. It's really sympathetic towards him. But the purpose of the documentary was never to prove what happened to Kathleen Peterson. It was to follow the defense and see how they were going to defend yeah. him. Exactly. So the filmmaker had previously made one film about how someone who was completely like unable to afford any kind of legal counsel went through the legal system. Mm-hmm. And so his next project, he wanted to flip the script and he wanted to be like, okay, let Somebody me find really someone wealthy, super privileged, right? Who's able to handle the legal system and here's how they're going to maneuver it versus someone who doesn't have that privilege. And afford every single luxury. Mm-hmm. I mean, afford some A acting really coach. nice lawyer, an acting yeah. coach, their own experts so for the evidence. Things. So yeah. many things. Damn. Experts that they didn't even use yeah. because they had hired one person to sit in on the autopsy and what that person said they didn't like so they were just like yeah we're not paying then we're you not going to have somebody we're going to yeah, pay you but you're not going to you're not going to cuz you don't make us look good yeah yeah, yeah. Damn. so what i thought was really lacking in the whole story of it not just the staircase but a lot of how it's covered is what the fuck happened to Kathleen Peterson like why like what the fuck happened it's really weird so the defense in the staircase he makes it sound like she just fell yeah okay yeah all right so the defense in the staircase basically tells michael's story like that's the story he didn't know what happened and she was at the bottom of the stairs she was there she was covered in blood he was freaking out like he behaved the way anyone freaking out would behave like listen to this 911 call he's pleading for help you know all this sort of inconsolable sounds like he had that acting coach before (laughs) right (laughs) we're getting to it. So the prosecution he took some intro to acting he classes. Took some improv classes. <laughs> he yes anded his way into that motherfucker. <laughs> let me tell you. She's at the bottom of the stairs. Is she breathing? Yes. yes. And, and she's, she's covered in blood. blood. <laughs> yes. So um, the prosecution kind of used like a two prong approach, right? So their first thing was Michael Peterson is not who he seems to be. 
And they were like, he has a history with male escorts. They made a big deal about how he ha- was hiding this secret gay life. And- hiding this homosexual That was how the prosecutor <laughs> relationship. said it. He has homosexual relationships. Like, I'm Do from- you think that's a happy marriage? I'm from Whiteville, North Carolina. I don't fucking talk like that. <laughs> like, come on, y'all. Anyway, so... History with escorts, which was exploded into something way bigger than it ever needed to be. Um, Just the relevance to the case. Because their whole thing was, it, they said that it was relevant because that was part of the motive, was mm-hmm. hiding this gay lifestyle. And he insisted that she knew about it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying he insists, I'm not saying she did. But yeah. he insisted that, like, she knew about it. It was mutual. They had an open relationship. But she knew about these gay men and these gay escorts and that, yeah. Technically, the things that he would say would be, like, Kathleen always had a good understanding of who I was. Kathleen really knew me. And she accepted me and loved me for all of my flaws. Like, that's the kind of shit that he would say to be, like, she knew. He never flat out was like, oh, she knew each we had a conversation, and I was like, yo, I'm balling some dudes. And she was like, you know what? You have fun with it and enjoy my money at the same time. <laughs> Here's some condoms. Because it was her money. It was her money. They were very wealthy, but it was, it was, it was her, her money. money. It was her oh, money. Oh, that's yeah. Important. She had like a six-figure job. You know, and he and was he an was author, a writer, right? But yeah. he wasn't rolling in it. Right. Like she was, she was. You very don't well know off. him from his authorship. You know him from this case, right? <laughs> so a big thing that the prosecution hit on was he's an author, so he's a storyteller, so he's a liar. He is a professional liar. He tells lies for a living, and he writes them down and gets paid for it, and that's what he's doing now. He's just. Lying. Basically, they did what uh, I was afraid was going to happen to me mm-hmm. with my story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom was like, they're going to use that all against you and say, like, that's what's going on in her head. Like, that's this why is who she, she murdered is. her best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> she couldn't kill herself first. She had to take care of Sarah. <laughs> no, that's actually why she carved number one spot into your body. That's <laughs> why she did that. <laughs> Who's got the number one spot now, Sarah? <laughs> That's dark. You can cut that. She won't. Oh, no, it's saying in. That's no, going fun. in the trailer for the Netflix special. That's in the preview. Um, the other thing that they used to say that Michael Peterson was not what he seemed was the story of Elizabeth Ratliff. So Elizabeth Ratliff was the wife of one of his friends when he and his first wife, Patty, were living in Germany. So her husband dies unexpectedly, and they're next-door neighbors, they're very close family, so Michael starts helping her out around the house with stuff that her husband used to do. And so on the last night of her life, they had dinner together. Michael's first wife, Patty, goes to tuck their two boys in, and then she and Michael put her girls to bed before leaving to drop a car off. These two girls are both, like, under two. Yeah, they're okay? babies. They're baby babies. They're One of them's like six months old, like and a baby they baby. are leaving them alone? And they're leaving them alone in, in the house. Like they're in bed asleep, but they're leaving them alone just to go move a car and come to back. To go move a car and come back. Right. And then Michael drops her off. He goes back home. And the next morning, she's found dead in a pool of blood at the foot of her stairs. So the prosecution never tried to prove that she was murdered by Michael Peterson. They just said that that was where he, he got, got the, the idea, idea 
to make it look like mm-hmm. his wife fell down the mm-hmm. stairs. Because that's... he knew what it looked like mm-hmm. when this other lady fell down the stairs. So he made his wife's death look like that. They exhumed her body. They gave her a new autopsy after shipping her from Texas to North Carolina so that the same person who autopsied Kathleen could autopsy her. And that person, that coroner, whatever they're called, um, found medical examiner, found that she was definitely murdered, like straight up murdered. She had huge pieces of broken skull on the back of her head. And no one assumed this when they originally found her. They no, were just, they no. just assumed she had fallen down the stairs. They were yeah. like, her husband died. This mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Well, she had been complaining of a headache, according to Michael and Patty Peterson. It's because he hit her on the head. She had been complaining of a headache, and they said she had a brain aneurysm. But her skull was straight up fractured. But they didn't really do an autopsy because they were like, bottom of the stairs, makes perfect sense. She doesn't have any enemies. She's just a single mom now. She's a widow. Yeah. Her two daughters are the girls that him and his wife adopted. Mm -hmm. Oh. Margaret and Martha. Okay. So after she died, they adopted her two kids. So those are the two adopted daughters that Michael has because they were the daughters of that woman. Mm -hmm. So with this new information... So, Michael was attacked from a personal standpoint, but he was also attacked by the physical evidence. So, they said, the prosecution said what happened to Kathleen's body was that she was beaten in the head with something called a blowpoke, which is the most bougie thing for fucking North Carolina. Because let me remind you, this is a 55-degree night in December. You're not going to have a raging fire or ever really need the use of something called a blowpoke. But it's a tool for the fireplace. Right. It's one of those, like, settings that you put near your fireplace that you never use because you live in fucking North Carolina. Okay. I mean, it does get cold, but, like, not to the point where you use a fire fire, every single day. Exactly. Anyway, so they said that she had this blowpoke that her sister had given her and that that was obviously what he had used because the cuts on the back of her head were only to her skin. She actually didn't have any fractures to her skull Mm -hmm. and she died from the blood loss from those cuts. Wow. So they said that he attacked her with this blowpoke and that there was blood on like the crotch of his pants because he stood over her body and like whacked her in the head with it. Okay? Okay. Now mind you, all of the wounds were to the back of her head and she was found lying face up. So they're thinking he whapped her once, knocked her down, whapped her again, and then tossed her down the stairs. I guess. See, that's the thing. Because the blood spatter, you couldn't even... Mm -mm. You couldn't tell. You couldn't Mm -mm. tell because it was so crazy. Which there is also evidence, not just from the Michael Peterson trial, just in general, that blood spatter evidence is is very unreliable. It can be really manipulated. Right. But there are parts of it, and we're going to get into that, there are parts of it that are actually really reliable for certain things. Right. But this guy who testified for the state was found to have been a complete shyster. Like, Mm -hmm. a few years later, it was found that he was just coming up with these narratives and then making the evidence fit the narrative, which is really for the fucking easy to do. So that, for and basically, splatter. they went through a lot of trials mm-hmm. after that to undo mm-hmm. wrongful convictions based that were given based on the evidence that he presented. God, what an asshole! So Michael Peterson had a chance to appeal his guilty verdict, and he did not. 
He took something that's called an Alford plea, which is a really legal technical term for a plea of guilt so that you can get out of a, serving a jail sentence. A plea oh. of guilty, but saying that you're not saying you did it. Yeah. An Alford plea is like you're taking yeah. guilt and you'll take the punishment, mm-hmm. but you're I not actually accepting guilt on the level of saying that you actually had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's just a way to like make the trial go away. So it's accepting the plea, mm-hmm. but not actually admitting guilt mm-hmm. because okay. that was something he refused to do. But he, in the end, he did actually have to admit to a piece of guilt. But it's like you said, it was very convoluted the way that he did it. But that, that he was responsible, all, but not yeah. that he had murdered her. But for all legal intents and purposes, I'm going from the fact that Michael Peterson was found guilty. So, guilty. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. You sorry, were found guilty. Sorry. You were found guilty. Then you confess to a sort of guilt situation. So, guilty. So, that's where we're going to stand our feet on. We're not going to say that Kathleen Peterson, like... Hit Died herself. in an accident. Yeah. It's, it's you know, definitely something like that. But the prosecution was not satisfying, and I feel like they missed a lot. And in the time since, we have learned so fucking much about science and about the Petersons themselves. So here's what they missed. First of all, Michael Peterson was fucking not what he seemed. So his son, Clayton had spent four years in federal jail for attempting to bomb Duke University campus. Cool. Party. All right. Right? Michael always supported his son through that financially, with lawyers, with all this sort of stuff, with Kathleen Peterson's money. Money. Because Michael Peterson was not good with money. (laughs) In the book Written in Blood, there are a lot of stories about how people suspected him of stealing things like pocket change like $10 here and there, and then blaming it on a babysitter. Right. So two different people were like, oh, my gosh, I've had money go missing. They both used the same babysitter, and he was like, it was probably that babysitter. I think she stole something from us, too. Yeah. What an ass. And he had recently contacted his son's mother, Patty, to ask her for money, and then also the biological family of Margaret and Martha – He was begging them for money as well. And Kathleen Peterson was working a six-figure job in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. That's... What was he doing with all that money? Paying for male escorts. escorts. Oh, you're right. Duh, I should have thought of that. And probably a lot of other shit because he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. I bet there's some coke in there, too. Right? I'm sure he's done coke. Um, The second... Or the third thing that they really missed was that he never adopted Margaret and Martha, ever. Not legally? He just took them? Never. And what he used to take them was a suspicious will that he showed their family with a signature that they say does not look like her signature. But they were like, you know what? They were such good family friends. They were in Germany together. They really want these girls. So, okay. That's what she wanted. Right? Because of the money. Their dad died when he was in the military. So they were receiving a military pension from that. Then they were also receiving life insurance from their mother. 
and other like social security benefits and stuff for being so the money wards. that would legally belong to the children. But would yeah. they get that money mm-hmm. if they didn't legally, legally adopt? adopt them? Yeah, they could only get some of that money if they did not legally adopt them. Oh, weird. Okay, because they were their guardians. Because and they not were their, their guardians and not their legal parents. So That's this is fucked. what really happened to Margaret and Martha after their mother died. He tried to give them to their biological aunt. Then he changed his mind. Um, later, when he was divorcing Patty, his first wife, she went to this aunt and said, you do not want them with him. And the aunt was concerned, but not enough to actually take them. Later, he offered to give her Martha because as a three-year-old, he described her as a manipulative and troublemaking child who he did not like. So he tried to give them Martha, and the aunt did not want to split them up. So instead, he tried to get them adopted to a family in Germany. What the fuck? Yes, he tried to get them legally adopted. And because these tiny children who were, like, you know, young at the time and had dealt with all of this abandonment and all of this— Losing both their parents. Losing both their family, not having a stable family life at all, feeling unloved and unwanted, they had emotional problems. Yeah, really troubled problems. Really troubled kids. And so the adoption in Germany didn't work out because— probably of that like it's not officially said that that was it but it's just like it never worked out and i figured it was like a you know a bad situation so after that they just spent long periods of time in texas with their biological family and then michael met kathleen and she wanted them as part of her family and she brought them to north carolina and she loved them and gave them a mother's love for the very first time And that's why they called her mom. Mom, yeah. And, yeah, like, that's why I feel they were so dedicated to Michael for the whole trial. Because if they didn't have him, they literally had nothing. Mm. Right? That's so sad. Yeah. He went and killed their mom. Yeah. Not mom, but mom. Both moms. Both moms. (sighs) Yeah. Well, and that was one thing I remember from the staircase is that um, when they started, like, going up with more and more evidence, the two girls were split. One of them was still completely on his side, and the other one, with the evidence that their birth mother was murdered, was like, like, yeah, who is this man who Mm -hmm. I thought was my father? Mm -hmm. So the the family itself, they were split over whether or not they thought he was guilty for killing their mom. God, that sucks. And I remember thinking that, to me, was the most difficult thing, was that the siblings, like... Siblings who loved each other like could not agree on how they f- they mm-hmm. felt about their dad, and so it split them up a lot. Oh. So that's just how Michael Peterson was not who he seemed to be. The other side is the physical evidence. Mm-hmm. So I found this really great Italian criminologist named Ursula Franco online. You can find her stuff. She's written like three long essays about the Peterson trial, and I've kind of tried to summarize some of it. But what she hits on is the physical evidence and the linguistic evidence. And I am such a linguistic deception nerd right now. Like, I am living for that life. So I'm going to rush through the physical evidence and then get to get the, the linguistic. Yeah, so as far as physical evidence goes, Kathleen Peterson never fell down a fucking flight of stairs. Okay? And you want to know how they know that? Because she had zero bruises on her ribs, her back, her hips, her legs, her knees, or her feet. And as a bitch... She didn't take a tumble. Right? As someone who has been forcibly dragged down a flight of stairs for the sake of movie making, you get covered in bruises. You get covered in bruises, okay? (laughs) You get lots of fucking bruises. It's It's fun at the time. You're like, yeah, drag me down the stairs, whatever. And then the next morning, you can't fucking walk, okay? You're just syphilitic with bruises. 
bruises. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah, Kathleen never fell down a flight of stairs. From the autopsy report, the damage that she had to her body was hair that had been pulled out of her scalp, a broken neck bone, and... Like um, gashes in her head. Gashes to the back of her head that she bled out of. That was how she died. And defensive marks on her hands and wrists. So something happened up by her face, by her head, that she was trying to fight. That's what the evidence is legitimately saying. Like, she was struggling with something around her head. head. Right. So um, there's also the blood splatter. There was zero cast off. So the prosecution doesn't fit either. Cast off is when you hit someone with an object and you create like a wound. So blood covers the object. You and swing then when it you up. swing it back up. Uh-huh. And then swing it back down again. It's going to spray off in like a really distinctive pattern. And that part of blood splatter and that analysis is actually really legit. Right. There was none of that. So there was no blow poke. There was no weapon. There was nothing that he swung to beat her with. Like, that's not what the evidence is saying at all. But there was so much fucking blood everywhere. Every single person who talks about the crime scene talks Talks about about just, like, horrendous amounts of shocking amounts of blood. blood. And a lot of the blood splatter at the edges of the pool were what they call low and medium velocity splatter, which is like when you jump into a puddle of water and it sort of, like, crests up, that's like a medium velocity splatter. That most of, what I remember thinking this sounded horrible, but that most of the splatter and the smear marks looked more more like from her trying, trying to, to get stand. up mm. and she's already covered in her blood. And, she's just and one of the theories was that she had already she was already hurt, mm-hmm. but then she slipped in her own blood and fell again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it reminds me of That's one of how the deaths. Much there was in... just pools and pools of it. It reminds me of a death in Final Destination, the first one when the guy gets like hung in his bathtub and, and he's, he's like, like slipping, slipping on the bathtub because there's soap in the foot. Like that to me is like how Kathleen Peterson died. Every time I see it, that's like, what I think now. That's how she died. Blood. Yeah, just, just slipping. Oh God. Just slipping. So, so horrible. So we're still trying to figure out what the fuck happened to Kathleen, right? Are you okay? Yeah. So um, the linguistic evidence for me is, like, super interesting. So with the 911 calls, he couldn't answer simple questions like, what is your address? Uh, 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 it's this. Like, it took him legitimate seconds to be like, this is my address. How many stairs did she fall down? Uh, stairs? What? Stairs? Uh, I don't know. You literally hear him running back to probably where the body was to go and count the stairs. Because when he called 911, he wasn't right next to the person he was trying to get help for. Which doesn't make fucking sense. Because when you dial 911, it's like the operator can tell you different things to do to help the person. But you gotta be next to them. You gotta at least, like engage he didn't engage at all he was like this is what happened click send help you Mm -hmm. know um so that just seemed really weird and he also said the word please nine times and that is something that manipulative people do to try and get you on their side so that you don't ask a whole lot of questions Mm. yeah 
So the other thing that she really examined were his public statements. And she said that guilty people don't really lie, but they make statements that sound like denial. So when he hasn't been tried yet and he says, I am innocent of these charges, technically he's right because he hasn't been found guilty. <laughs> Right? Like, technically, that's yeah, the truth. Technicality. And when he says, like, I would never have done anything to have ever hurt Kathleen, which is like a legit quote from one of his statements, as well as, like, my heart beats her name. Like, he got real poetic with the shit. But, um, but yeah, I would have never done anything to have hurt Kathleen is definitely not the same thing as saying... I didn't kill Kathleen because she says, Ursula Franco again, says that a reliable denial consists of three things. The word I, a past tense verb, and an answered question. So I didn't kill Kathleen would have been reliable, whereas I would have never done anything to have ever hurt her. The more things you add into this like three-part statement, the less deniable like the less, uh, sorry, Believable, reliable. Less, yeah. yeah, the less reliable it is. So she's like, yeah, this motherfucker definitely is trying to hide something. Damn. And so by examining the evidence, this is what Ursula Franco says happened to Kathleen Peterson. She says that Kathleen and Michael had an altercation. He wrestled her to the ground, grabbed her head with one hand, grabbed like a handful of hair, put his hand around her throat and slammed her head into the wooden stairs he knocked her unconscious he left her there and she regained consciousness she stood back up and she says that she knows this because there was blood on the bottom of her feet Mm. and blood on the front of her outfit and that when that happened michael again wrestled her to the ground and sat straddled on top of her so that some of the blood that had dripped from her head onto her legs got into the inseam of his pants. pants. And that, again, he held her down and beat her head against the stairs until she was unconscious. So, in my opinion, that's probably the most reasonable thing that happened to Kathleen Peterson. And I think that that's important, even though it's a downer. I think that it's really important to talk about the victim in this case because so much of everything else has been about about the fucking perpetrator. Yeah. Yeah, it was all about him. And it doesn't need to be. Yeah, Yeah. because he's obviously not a good person. Right. Fascinating, but not Not a good good person. Yeah. God, yeah, that sucks. So it's so funny because Chris, Christina, this, we were talking about it yesterday, and she was passionate about it, but she wouldn't tell me more. And I'm like now, like, oh, because she was going to talk about it on the show. Because <laughs> yeah, I was really careful to lighten it up before we wrap it up. Yeah. Um, because my favorite is the owl theory. Are you familiar with the owl theory? An owl flew in and knocked her off her balance and she fell? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they did find owl feathers in her hair. That's a true thing that happened. They found feathers that were consistent with owls. That's how Christina wore that. <laughs> and the marks on the back of her head were also consistent with the talons of an owl. And she had the defensive wounds from something happening around her head. So one of the theories was that an owl had gotten into the house and she was drunk and kind of swatting at the owl and it scratched up her head and she fell and she wasn't up the stairs, but fell onto the stairs 
And that was how she had all the gashes and all the defensive wounds in her hands and the feathers in her hair. And then again, that she woke up in the blood and stood up and slipped in the blood and fell back down. Mm -hmm. That is like something you see on 1,000 Ways to Die. (laughs) die. (laughs) I was like, that is a freak fucking accident. Which is why I was fascinated with that theory. Because I was like, can you imagine? Because if that happened... What would what that look like fuck? after the fact? Right. How would that appear? Well, apparently, it looks like a murder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, weird. That owl was like, "How many, t- how many kicks is it gonna take to get to the center, center of her head?" head. <laughs> Come here, bitch. One scratch, two scratch, <laughs> crash. Bam. Three. Took three. Took three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, she's One, dead. Two. two. A crunch. <laughs> um, that's terrible. That's sad. That's that terrible. But um, yeah, I was I was gonna let you do the owl theory because when I was talking to you yesterday, I was like, I mean, it does fit. I'm not it gonna fight you it because does fit. it could. <laughs> yes, cons- yeah. it does. It is also. Consistent it's more consistent than anything that was told at the trial. Correct. Was there a window open in the second floor? There were windows, windows and doors, windows everywhere. And doors open. Uh, yeah. It was this huge. It was a beautiful estate. summer night in a huge estate where there's no neighbors. Oh. They just had everything open: windows, Damn. doors, everything. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So. And if you want to know Maybe more about it, was a it. mixture of both. Maybe she got attacked by the owl, and he was like, "Oh mm-hmm. shit, here's my chance." Here's my chance. No, um, so if you want to know more, there is the Staircase documentary, but a lot of the Ursula but it's Franco stuff. toward yeah. Michael Peterson. Right. Well, it's not trying to say what happened to Kathleen. Correct. So what I watched was a little 15-minute doodad from the Investigation Discovery Channel. It's on demand, and mm. it's called uh, The Staircase, The Missing Pieces. And it talks about the owl theory, and it talks about Ursula Franco in depth, and it's really good. And it's only Damn. 15 minutes. Awesome. Damn. Excellent. That's crazy. That was great. That was good great. Choice. That was great, Christina. Thank you. <laughs> and that's how you stay in the number one spot. <laughs> Christina's like, I want to go second because I want to shit on Gail Marie for, for taking makeup. She knew what she was and doing. And parentheses because, like, uh, I got these crazy Oh, my stories. God. I forgot her name and I had a really good joke. Because, like Vanessa Williams, you always save the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening to our thank podcast. You. Look out in a couple weeks. In two weeks, we're going to launch our Patreon page <laughs> if you guys want to... Uh, donate some money become a patron support our show but until then the best way you can help us out is by leaving a review preferably five stars on iTunes or Facebook if you want a sticker take a screenshot and send it to us at deadtimestories all one word at gmail.com or by sliding into our DMs on the uh, Instagram and which is also deadtimestories all one word if you want to follow Christina she's at kstina5 that's k-s-t-i-n-a Oh, five or just five? Five. Five. <laughs> it was five. Uh, <laughs> Casina five. And she does some fucking awesome, adorable Bujo shit, guys. You should check it out. Christina's who got me back into, like, Bujo, like, for real, for real. Thanks. But, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for thank being you, here. Thank uh, I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And I'm Christina. And, and this, this has is been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Remy Slackman. 